0: Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Sacred Resistance Podcast. This is episode number nine. Today we have on Dr. Tina. She's a super cool lady uh, and uh, we made a new friend.
1: Yes, Dr. Tina is amazing and she is a huge advocate for taking responsibility of your own health and living a resilient life and how to live that way and the data is out now and we know the people that are affected by this virus have a list of other comorbidities Um, and we talk about going to depth about that with the obesity issue and in I was going to say in America but in North America really and you can tell the people that are really affected by this whole COVID have, many have um, weight issues.
0: Yeah, and this has nothing to do with fat shaming. These are just the facts. Um, People who are struggling with this virus are definitely overweight.
1: Either overweight, the elderly, they normally have other comorbidities like type two diabetes, hypertension, um, heart disease, the list goes on and on. And if we could just change our mindset, to having um, personal responsibility over our health and taking responsibility for the things we put into our mouth and how we move our body and all of that, then then the onus is on us. And mm-hmm. it's actually quite freeing once you have responsibility of your health.
0: Yeah, and the data is, is coming out. And um, it's, it's very clear and very obvious that everyone who's severely affected by this is deficient in vitamin D.
1: Yeah. So, guys... It's up to us. Ah, <sighs> yeah. It, the world's feeling a little heavy right now, and um, Dr. Tina, our conversation with Dr. Tina was really amazing, and she saw this coming years ago because of the state of or the way everyone's health is. So, mm-hmm. have a listen. She's an amazing woman. There was quite a few things that we left out in this podcast. Um, she's not only a naturopathic doctor and a chiropractor; she's an author, a podcast host. Um, She has programs you can um, join to help build your resiliency. Um, She now offers supplements, so I will make sure to put all those in the show notes so you can find her on Telegram, on Instagram, her email, her website, all that good stuff. So make sure to read the show notes so you can um, learn more about the amazing Dr. Tina.
0: Yeah, and she was just on RFK's podcast too, which is pretty cool. To uh, have her on our humble little show.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's just a really cool, awesome human being.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're going to drink some wine with her via Skype.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so enjoy the show. Um, Dr. Tina, thank you for being with us on the show. We had a great time with you. So much fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, guys. And lots
0: of love to you people. Yeah. Take care out there and uh, take responsibility for your actions.
1: And if you are listening, you are the sacred resistance. Yes to doing this. Like, like I said, I know I sound like a total fan girl, but I was like, I don't even care about celebrities anymore. It's like you guys, you and the other doctors speaking truth. Like it, it gets me so fired up and inspired. And I don't even think you guys understand how important you are.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. I never thought I would find myself in this situation I mean I kind of knew you know weirdly my mom was telling me because I was I was feeling some battle fatigue I mean this is like a battle every day like I get up and put on my suit of armor and go to battle every day because I never know what I'm gonna get hit with and if it's not trolls on the internet or like super triggered people or fringe you know conspiracy political groups it's my own profession like often I have to deal with my own profession coming at me, which is so weird, because our medicine is based in the idea that the body inherently knows how to heal. And so I'm, it's been really confusing. But I was telling my mom, I was, I was kind of whining to her the other day, to be honest, I was just tired. Mom's are and good for she that. Said, I know I was like, I never whine or take the victim stance. But I really was pretty worn out. And she was like, Tina, you have been telling me since you were a little kid that you were going to be in a history book. For helping people. And you told me at 19, like, I, I guess I laid it out for her. I don't remember this, but cause I was really heavy, heavily medicated when I was that age, I was on a lot of antidepressants and like wrongfully medicated by doctors. Yeah. And I, I laid out this whole thing where a virus was going to eradicate a huge portion of the population. And I was going to be leading them through it somehow. And that I was going to be needed. And she said, I, I laid it out in detail to the point where I said I wasn't going to meet the man of my life until I was in my 40s and he was going to have white hair. Like this Whoa. whole thing.
1: <laughs> I just got goosebumps over was, my entire body.
2: She was so teary when she was telling me, you know, like, I mean, I could just tell when she was writing me a text, but I could just tell she was really you know, emotional. And I was like, okay, okay, I got to stay in the game, you know? And yeah. she's like, I always knew, you know, I, and I've been telling her and my daughter, my daughter's 21, I've been telling them the zombie apocalypse was coming for years. And, and I meant it literally, like I've been physically training for it. And I didn't mean a bunch of dead, you know, come back to life zombies, but I knew this was coming in my lifetime. And oddly, when it hit, I was Kind of relieved at first. The first few months, I was like, "Oh, thank God, I wasn't crazy." Because yeah, I've been yeah. like vocal, I've been like out publicly vocalizing that the zombie apocalypse was coming, and everyone looked at me like I was a complete whack job. And I was like, "Okay, whatever. Well, I'll be prepared, and you won't." And <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, you know, what, I say it jokingly, but literally, I mean, there just had to be a breaking point with how completely fucked up human beings have become. I mean, humans' health has... I I worked for my mentor who passed away in 2013. He was a naturopathic doctor. I worked for him since the mid-90s when I graduated undergrad. And people were sick then. But by the time I got out of school in 2008 and was ready to practice, people were way, way sicker. So it's been... And even from 2008 to when I closed my practice in 2018, 2019, it was people were significantly sicker by then, you know? So, I mean, it's like, there had to be some kind of breaking point and here we are you see
1: it younger and younger now the kids are just getting like with our kids we've got two little guys we've got two teenagers that my husband had from a previous marriage but we've got two little guys and i homeschool them and we just moved from the city to the country kind of like you did uh we moved in august and we're building a house and that's where uh jamie had to go this morning to go work on some stuff But Uh i heard him just coming, so he'll be popping in soon um but I have taken my kids to activities, like they were in skating and swimming and um, like a million different activities, martial arts, and I could see the kids, I could literally look in their eyes and I could see, I'm like, they've got a food allergy or they've got a sensitivity and all the, all the behavioral issues and autism and um we'd go to the swimming pool and i've said this on previous podcasts we'd go to the swimming pool and because the swimming pool is such great therapy for special needs kids and i just i like i i brought me to tears one day and i was like these kids are trapped in their bodies and this is something that we could have um prevented and it I feel like that's why this starting this podcast was so important to me because I feel like it's it's our future generations depend on it and it's it's literally going to be survival of the fittest and I hi, hi. <laughs> and it's it's sad to see so you've you've seen it for years now you you called this for years
0: hey Dr. Hi. Tina how, <laughs> how you are doing you doing I'm late guys
1: no worries it's I told okay it I hear
2: you're here there's a house being built.
0: Yeah, yeah, I had too many people this morning and too many things to do and I was packing dirt and meeting a dump truck and getting gravel and <laughs> I
1: made it back though. And he's got overalls That's like man. <laughs> Nice. To dude,
2: see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Um my my dude built this house we live in by himself. Well, he had friends, but he he's a millwright by trade. So that's what he's trained in. And he's an electrician and he built this whole house and it's all made out of cement. It's he jokes that it's the compound, but (laughs) I knew I was just telling Brittany about my, my theories on the zombie apocalypse coming. And I was like, I knew it was coming because I met the man of my dreams and he lived in a compound out in the middle of nowhere that he (laughs) built and he can fix anything. Like he can MacGyver anything. And his, his dad was a butcher. So they used to raise livestock and he knows how to like, Breed animals and process oh, wow. animals, and cool. which I'm, I have to get used to because I I like make an friends with all the lover. animals. I, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: I'm yeah. like, so. uh, But he's handy and all around, and then I can fix pretty much anything because I'm a chiropractor and a naturopathic doctor. So like, I can. I'm pretty handy to have around yeah. in that regard.
1: So I was like, we're a team.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. We That's like us. We're a total team. Yeah, such it, a team. Yeah, for sure. When, I know couldn't do it without her. <laughs> I, my
1: mom always told me growing up, she's like, Brittany, just marry a handyman, just marry a handyman. And I didn't even like, that must've been in my subconscious. And then when we met, I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that when I first met him, but I'm like, what can't you do? You can do absolutely everything. So oh, well, thank it's, you, it's quite nice. I'm, yeah. I like find a picture on Pinterest. I'm like, can you build me this? He's like, Sure. I and mean, he makes it better than what the picture even is. So
0: well, I don't think I could build a concrete house. I could I could learn how to do one. But that's pretty cool that you live in a concrete house. You have like really crappy Wi-Fi signal, I bet.
2: Um, it's okay. It goes in and out because we're out in the country, but yeah i think he just watched a lot of youtube videos and he like constantly is watching youtube on like every time i go upstairs youtube's on on how to do something
0: yeah well, youtube's great for that like it's it sucks because it's they're censoring everybody who's saying anything good right now but like to learn how to do things it's great for that it's a good uh tool to have
2: yeah 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 so i figure if it's YouTubeable, then we can make it happen yeah totally
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. We won't end up on YouTube, maybe brand new tube or a bit shoot or something like that.
1: Yeah. Our stuff is going to get censored for sure. Yeah, And I'd love for you to go into a little bit of detail. Like you have backup accounts and you're on telegram and you have so many different outlets for people to reach you because you do get censored. And, um, can you tell us too about the warning you got when this first happened? Like I remember on the, um, I've heard you talk about it, but we both listened recently to the podcast you did with RFK jr which was amazing what an honor to be on his show and then i know right yeah Yeah. so but then you even got a call from your lawyer oh okay so
2: back when this started right away i just well like i was telling you earlier i just have a spidey sense about like i just know i mean i could i could i to, my closest friends heard me draw this out in detail exactly what's happening right now. And I yeah. could tell you the next two to three steps that are going to, and like, I know how this is going to go. I knew it from the beginning. Like this is going to be really bad. Yeah. And I, you know, there's all kinds of theories about that. And it, funnily enough, like I didn't even know what QAnon was until I got accused of it by a whole group of people. And <laughs> I mean, I think that's a whole like a wack-a-doo thing too. I'm not yeah. affiliated with anything. I just was like, I didn't even know there was like these fringe conspiracy groups. So it's not even any of that. It's just logic, you know, it's like, what's you guys probably know what's coming next too. but the, I knew that YouTube and Facebook, I just had a gut instinct that Facebook was going down and that it was going to be like an evil demon den. And I hadn't done much on YouTube, but I knew that I teach doctors how to market online and do business online. So I kind of know how this stuff works anyway. And I had already seen the glimmers of censorship coming even prior to this pretty heavily on the natural medicine space. And so I did not even dare go on Facebook or YouTube and say anything, but my lawyer and I talked very early on in the pandemic. And she said, I'm already hearing about that. somehow the department of justice and the FTC were investigating. And we as doctors shouldn't be privy to the FTC. Like that's not a part, the way that the federal trade commission works here in the States, we shouldn't be even under their jurisdiction. But because of this COVID thing, and we're not allowed to make, even in like non-pandemic times, we're not allowed to make any claims about treatment prevention or cure. So when you see doctors doing that online, they don't know. They either don't know or they don't care. Yeah. Or they know and they have a huge army of lawyers behind them. So when people are like, well, Mercola is doing it. I'm like, Mercola has millions of dollars in lawyers to support I mean, I'm speculating, but it depends on what kind of risk tolerance you have and what kind of machine of legal help you have behind you. But there's just a lot of stupid doctors online giving treatment advice, even non-pandemic. And I knew better than that. But my lawyer called me and she said, we're having investigations of some of your colleagues that are getting letters because they simply made a YouTube video saying like COVID-19 and vitamin C or something like that. Like just combining the two. And then somehow in one case, we think what happened was one of my friends uh, got a letter from the F or uh, from the department of justice being investigated. And they went from his YouTube video. I think they opted into his email list and then on his email list, even having anything about antiviral on your emails, which we as naturopathic doctors know how to treat viruses. Like we've done this forever. Like I have, that's why I became a naturopathic doctor was because I had chronic viral disease and I couldn't shake it. So we know how to do this. And so he was just talking about like good, potent antiviral nutraceuticals, and then mentioned something about COVID unrelated in the email and like about his office policies or something, I believe. And this is not from my lawyer. This is, he showed, he shared with me what had happened and we tried to piece it together. Um, And then they dinged them on that, I think. So like that is, and this happened very quickly early on. One of my other colleagues was being investigated for dare mentioning that they had services available to help with viral infections. And next thing you know, like his merchant services aren't working in his clinic and he can't process payments for his patients. So it happened really early and really fast. And if you go to the FDA website, you can see all the investigations that are currently pending with names, et cetera. So I just knew quick. And I was, I was coaching like a hundred plus doctors at the time. So I was like, do not say anything that is going to get you in trouble. And they're like, well, what about censorship? It's, this isn't even about censorship. This was about not getting, you know, investigated by a legal or by, you know, a federal organization and having to hire a legal team to help you. So it's really been a mess. And it's been very unfortunate because like, I didn't need 80 studies to tell me that vitamin D deficiency made you more prone to viral infections. Like I knew that a decade ago, you know, I did not need to know, I didn't need double blind placebo trials to tell me that high dose vitamin C was helpful, you know, and this isn't in any way, shape or form a prevention treatment or cure. It's about optimizing the human being (laughs) that the virus is affecting, right? Like, duh. And so the fact that we haven't, I can't believe, and I knew, I knew, knew, I mean, I knew early on from studies, like we know from the flu that, which is not the same thing. I'm not saying it is, but similarly, the way that the virus is like in structure is similar to a flu virus in that it's a single-stranded RNA, you know, lipid membrane, um, respiratory spread via aerosols, similar kind of Beast, if you will, and we knew we knew that being malnourished made you more prone to higher viral titers, and that higher viral viral titers mean more spread. And we knew that obesity contributed to this. We knew this back in 2009. We knew that being old and frail—you know, as you age, your immune system becomes less effective because of malnourishment and all these things. We knew that. I knew full well that muscle mass being low on somebody and frailty was a contributor to worse outcomes with viral infections in general, and yet. Daring to say such a thing was like you got labeled you know, mean. Yeah. Oh, just so much from my own profession. My yeah. own profession came at me and was and was was getting on me, like to the point where I would not be surprised if I got a letter from my board saying I'm being investigated, which is insane. So I never said anything about being anti-mask. And in fact, at first I was cautious. I was like, mm-hmm. as a responsible physician, I thought, well, sure, let's mask up initially. And let's see what, what we're dealing with. We didn't really know what we were dealing with, you know? And so until we had a handle on it, I figured better be safe than sorry. Even though I knew masks weren't terribly effective, it, some, something is better than nothing. Let's see what we got going on here. I thought for sure that they would protect the frail. Unfortunately, here's the thing. Oh, and I said this in that video that went viral, like the day the pandemic hit, I made a video on Instagram and it went viral. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I said this virus hasn't seen North America yet because it hadn't really hit our shores. Well, it had hit Washington a little bit, but um, our obesity epidemic, like 88% of this country is metabolically unsound. And so I just knew, I firmly believe that obesity is actually driving this pandemic now. Like Mm -hmm. we are just too sick of a species worldwide, but particularly in the bigger countries, like the, the, the first world countries, we're so sick that we can't handle this virus. It's not, we villainize the virus as this horrible, you know, deadly beast. When in reality, I think it's not the virus that we should be blaming. I think it's the actual human beings <laughs> for 100%. not giving yeah. a shit. They don't yeah. give a shit about their health. Yeah, And they wonder why this is happening. And I'm like, duh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not the germ, it's the terrain
2: yeah, you, you got to pay the piper at some point. If, totally. if the virus doesn't take you out in your forties, then it's going to be horrific sequelae of, you know, diabetes in yeah. your fifties and sixties. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how many patients came in and they'd be in their fifties and they're like, Oh, I'm fine. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, you think you're fine. Let's run your labs and look, and I'll tell you how fine you are. And I'll tell you where you're going. Like, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what the next 10 years will look like if you stay on this trajectory. And most of them listened, of course, but because I was a, naturopathic physician. And that's why they came. It wasn't yeah, like they're searching. I think for it's someone. Like, yeah. To improve their health. But like people just were in total and utter disbelief. And oftentimes I would tell patients you're pre-diabetic, you're pre-diabetic, you're pre-diabetic. And they'd be like, oh, it's fine. My parents, you know, it's diabetes runs on my family. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like Does your, your, has- your liver is pickling. Your liver has fatty infiltrate. Your you know, this is not good. And they're like, oh, I'm fine. And then one day they'd hit diabetes because the magic number finally got high enough on their blood glucose to say you're diabetic. And I'd say, okay, now you're diabetic. And they'd get so mad at me and they'd be like, why didn't you tell me sooner i'm like are you fucking kidding me yeah. <laughs> like, you're like yeah. i said like, i'm diabetic many times people are
0: people are ridiculous it's like they blame it on genetics but it's like well my mom drank four cans of coke every day and now i'm <sighs> drinking four cans of coke every day and i'm diabetic now because it's genetic well no it's not you're just doing the same stupid shit that your yeah. parents did
1: yeah. yeah it's crazy so yeah COVID went through my, I don't, I don't live with my parents, obviously, but went through my parents' house. My mom is the only one that didn't get it in the house. My two of my brothers live at home. All of them are ex-athletes. Like they all played high level hockey. My dad's a hockey coach. Um, My dad got it the worst. He was sick for two weeks. He, but when my dad gets sick, he gets he always gets really sick. It's like the worst sickness. He, he gets it like once a year and he, they both, they all work out a lot, like a ton. My brother's a personal trainer and he's, he's a big fan of yours too. He he'll be excited to hear this podcast. Um, but they're all like, my brother does heavy lift weights and like, he was sick for a couple of days and he was back at life. And then my dad was sick for a good two weeks. My mom, who was actually probably the most unhealthy out of all of them, didn't get it which is super surprising and she's
0: really frail too like yeah i feel like i could just grab her arm and break it
1: well careful she's probably gonna listen <laughs> to this <laughs> i told her I'm oh, like, no. i told mom i'm like mom you got to start lifting weights like you should yeah. get you should get mac to to do a program for you so anyways long story short they all had it they all survived they're all as healthy as can be now like no long-term effects and all that kind of stuff then now um, my grandparents are actually in the hospital. They're in Indiana. So I'm, I was born in Indiana and then my mom married a Canadian. and We moved to Canada. Um, my grandparents are in the hospital. They got exposed to COVID. Um, but my grandmother's on 13 different medications. She's got onset. like, um, they just did all their scans and stuff. And she had a CAT scan and there's no sign of Alzheimer's on her brain scan, but she's got full blown dementia or whatever you want to call it and my mom's been saying this for years she was like she has this because she's on 13 different medications right. it's the medications that's making her forget things she was like i've read the side effects to these drugs and this is one of the side effects and nobody would listen to her nobody would listen to her my grandparents live a sedentary life they eat fast food they're unhealthy they have, they're old, they're in their eighties. Um, they have zero resiliency. Like they don't lift anything, you know? And it, like it, it was scary at the beginning. And now they're both in the hospital. My grandpa is not doing that great, but he also has pneumonia now. And he has, mm. um, he fell and hit his head. He's got hematoma <laughs> and he's got a slow blood bleed on his brain
3: oh. and
1: it's, it's so sad. But I, at the same time, I'm like, I still, have the same views about this virus as i did like six months ago because i learned and it's they were the prime candidates for getting this virus and it's not that i'm not sad like and i'm praying for their their recovery and everything like that and it's heartbreaking um but for people to play the victim card and get mad at other people, be like, you're not wearing a mask and you're not getting the vaccine is absolutely asinine to me. It's like, well, you, look at your grocery cart. Look what I'm putting in my grocery cart compared to what you're putting in your grocery cart. And it's, I just don't know how people don't see it. It's so frustrating. It's yeah. yeah it's
2: driving me batty to be honest. I, I don't, well, I remember when I turned. Well, first off, I'm sorry about your grandparents, and I do wish them a speedy recovery. Yeah, thank you. This, the, you know, viruses. This sounds so heartless, but I my background was in animal behaviorism, and I've been. Uh, it's interestingly, a lot of veterinarians follow me on Instagram, and I've been chatting with them because they treat animals and like, they understand how viruses work. So many of them are like, this is like, what you're saying is common sense. Where, why are humans denying what's happening? Like we know, we know how, what viruses do to herds of animals and to groups of animals and they call herds, that's what viruses do. Yeah, It calls herds. And if you ask any farmer or someone who's reared animals they, they understand that when the herd, when a virus or a fever hits the herd, they isolate the sick animals. And then they let it rip yeah. yeah, because they have to hit herd immunity, you know, yeah. like they have to, so they let whatever else rip. A couple of them might get a little bit sick. They might isolate them, quarantine them. You might lose one or two and, you know, boom, you're yeah. you're through it. And now your herd's immune. And we've done such a disservice by locking down the way we have. I, One of the doctors, I forget his name. Um, one of the doctors in the Great Barrington Declaration, he said it, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, but he basically said like, we did a slow letter rip strategy that's what this yeah. is like it's cruel yeah. the way we've yeah. done this the way totally. we've locked down it's cr- it's completely cruel because we did not protect and isolate our most um vulnerable. uh the vulnerable and then but like i said like if obesity makes you vulnerable that would be like isolating the basically the entire population of north yeah. america yeah. you know but Elderly folks, I don't know about you, every elderly folk uh, person I've talked to is just frustrated because they're like, yeah. this is not how I want to spend my last years. I don't oh. want to go bankrupt. I don't want to be alone. And I, I think the thing that we're not talking about at all on social media, and I can't even bring myself to do it because every time I mention it, I get inundated with like soul-crushing messages. But we have done such a huge crime against humanity to our elders. Completely. Horrible. Completely. Can you imagine living your entire life and then being isolated? Going quickly into dementia because of the isolation and lack of movement and lack of interaction and then dying alone, like it's horrible that, that, and the kids between that and the kids, like, I, that's the stuff I can't think about because it, yeah, totally. It breaks my heart.
0: Isolating old people, making kids wear masks. like I'm sure if you asked any person in a, in a retirement home, who's stuck in there and trapped in there, if they would, they would rather die of COVID than loneliness. I'm, I'm guarantee you that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And kids. This yeah. And they're all in affect... support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, kids, that... what's what's with the data on kids? This doesn't affect kids. Is that right? Well, then why are we making them wear masks? Why are you forcing these kids to wear masks? And, and isolate, and like isolate. to You're be traumatizing in their own. Cohorts. These children.
1: Yeah. And, and babies yeah. can't
0: see their mothers' faces. And how do babies communicate? How do how do they, you know, it's all and you I I mean, I know Fauci knows better than this and has known better than this the whole time the the guy's just a liar he sits up there and babbles and and doesn't make any sense and contradicts himself over and over and it's like he knows vitamin d is the biggest combatant he's been taking nine thousand iu a day since this started but he hasn't been recommending it to anybody like like it's so aggravating and and now i'm at the point where you are it's like it's just i'm just getting starting to get pissed off now
2: yeah me too what i was going to say is uh so when I turned 40, my health insurance rate skyrocketed. And Same with him. I, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I came across an article talking about how our age cohort is like the worst off of all the age cohorts. People in their 40s are dying at higher rates than any other age group bracket because of our horrific, there, lots of variables, right? Yeah. But basically being 40 to 50 years old, you are a train wreck of health in this country. That's the general consensus from the study I read. And I was so miffed about my health insurance rates going up every year and the way that it all happened. And like when Obama put in, or whatever our sad Obama. attempt at universal health care, And it was like, yeah, sure you can keep your policy except the insurance company ends that policy every year and says, at least in the States here, this is what they do. They're like, oh, well that policy no longer exists. So here's the replacement. And it's like a hundred dollars more each year, right? So yeah. this is going on, I'm 47 now. That was aggravating enough it was aggravating enough to watch fuel prices increase on airlines because of the literal weight. Like there's studies on this, the literal weight of human beings has increased so much that they've had to increase tickets say, or, you know, prices of tickets to compensate for the gasoline or the amount of fuel that's used, not gas, but air, whatever, airline, (laughs) airplane fuel. Yeah. yeah. Um, All of these variables. But then this, like if, We've gotten to the point where they're, and I don't really want to get into the you know what, because that's a whole other thing, but um, the fact that they are talking about mandating this so that you can move freely in society, forget the masks and the lockdowns and the bankruptcy and the economic collapse and the just horrible things we're doing to young people and like messing them up for life and the way that we just talked about that we're like letting old people die alone like that's maddening in of itself but that they want to inject us with an experimental whatever you have it so that we can for the greater good i'm like yes. let's talk about the freaking greater good guys yes. because i w- i read an article in the washington post yesterday i think I believe it was the washington post yesterday and it was like we should tax the non The non-vaxxed, we should make sure that they don't have privileges like the the vaxxed do. It was this whole smear article about all the horrible things we should do to the anti-vaxxers. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Can we because oh, and we should deny them hospital care because they're gonna cost us an arm and a leg in the hospital. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Can we talk about obesity for a minute and like how that's that? And I've been getting this messaging, that's the thing, I think I've been in a, and I said this on RFK's podcast, I've been in a really particular position having the Instagram growth I've had this year. I think that I've been in, a, in, the, in the message that I'm conveying, I think I've been in a position that like maybe most other humans haven't been on the planet, meaning journalists, politicians, policymakers, maybe haven't been getting the information I have. I've been getting info from the front lines all over the world. So from doctors and ICU nurses, and people in the front lines from all over the world since day one of this and having them tell me, you know, straight up, it's obesity, diabetes, leading, leading to kidney failure, obesity, diabetes, leading to kidney failure, period. Like that is 99% of what's happening in the hospitals and the ICUs. That's the load on the system. Um, yeah. Like, why are we talking about the greater good over here that I should subject myself and my, and you guys, your young children to some potentially helpful or potentially problematic injection when we're not even mentioning the fact that these people, obesity, we know this from studies, obesity, obese bodies carry virus, higher viral titers, making them far more contagious. They carry it for longer, sometimes 40 some percent longer, at least with the flu. And we have some preliminary studies coming out on this particular virus as well. And when a virus goes through a body, it should kind of jive with the immune system and come out a little bit kinder, kinder and gentler. That's why letting a virus go through a population of healthy people is actually a positive thing because yeah. you yeah. will start to slowly, coronaviruses are a little less, um, a little bit less than flu viruses at this, but at least getting it through the population could be helpful in the long term of decreasing virulence of the virus. When you put a virus through an obese body, it comes out more virulent. Wow, the cocktail mm-hmm. process that goes through, and it makes the virus be uh, create more morbidity. This is in mice, at least create more morbidity, meaning sickness and yeah. sick symptoms to their lean counterparts. Like really? we know this from studies. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying villainize obese people, but I'm saying that's when I say that obesity is driving this this pandemic. That's yeah. what I mean. Like we're dealing yeah. with. We're dealing with the bulk of the population, creating potentially a more virulent strain, carrying it for longer and carrying higher viral titers. So why don't we address that? Like, why is that not being talked about yet? Like this, that is making me insane to the point where I'm angry. I'm really angry about it because we're all going through miserable hell because people won't take care of
0: themselves. Exactly. That's exactly
1: personal responsibility
0: yeah personal responsibility and yeah
1: those are the people who are rolling up their sleeves and getting the you know what and then going to get their crispy Kris- crispy cream donut or their beer yeah and it's it's yeah. absolutely crazy to me so it's been over a year now in this lockdown and like jamie and i at the beginning of this we took it totally serious. like okay even though we knew we're like okay there's something up, up. like we knew but two weeks to flatten the curve. Okay. We can stay home for two weeks. Yeah. Three months goes by and Jamie didn't work. Like he's self-employed and he wasn't working. He had his crew going. Luckily he's in, he wasn't, he, we own a painting company. And he's like, well, I got to like my guys, if they don't work, they don't have savings. Like they've got nothing. So I'm going to keep mm-hmm. them going a little bit and they've got to keep going. So he, he let them keep working, but then three months goes by and he's like, I can't stay at home anymore. Like we're not gonna be able to pay our mortgage. We're not gonna be able to put food on our table and we, we eat healthy. Right. So our bill is expensive. That's where we invest. Most of our money is in our, in our, in our health. health. And so he went back to work and we we just saw the writing on the wall. So clearly we're like, we need to get out of the city. We need to get out of the city and it caused a lot of stress. I was going to make a point with this and now I've totally lost my train of thought. Um, shoot. What were we just talking about? Okay.
0: Obesity.
2: Personal responsibility. Yeah. Personal responsibility.
1: responsibility. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, but it's just, it's like people who, who want to keep living their same um, lifestyle. They're the ones that are so for this um, new experimental drug that is out. They're the ones that don't want to change their diet. They don't want to exercise and they want to point fingers at everybody else. And they're enjoying it because they feel like they're the heroes because they're taking one for the team.
0: Yeah. And we're the ones that are being vilified for speaking the truth. Like there's a lot of reasons why this is pointing to a depopulation agenda for me, but just the obesity thing alone is one, just one of the many things. It's like, you can't, you're accused of fat shaming. If you, if you bring this up, um, and even like Cosmo magazine is putting obese women on the cover saying, this is the new healthy. It's like everything that they're telling us is backwards is, mm-hmm. is the wrong thing to do to get yourself healthy. It's like,
2: it's the upside down land. And if you say anything, I, that I have been called, I mean, I, <laughs> it, it's crazy with <laughs> the names I've been called and I'm just so, I'm like. And it's easy, right? I'm a middle aged white woman. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows my story. They don't know how sick I was. They don't know where I came from. They don't know anything about any part of my life. But because of a 400 word post, they can decide that I'm all these horrible things if I don't have some epic disclaimer on the post every single time. Um, But I did the math. I got so sick of the art, and it's always from other white women. It is rarely from a person of color. In fact, I have lots and lots and lots of um, a very diverse background of ethnicities in my following uh, on Instagram and on my email list. And when people have common sense, I don't care what ethnicity they are, they have common sense. And when they don't, they want to point fingers, right? But it's always white women, it's always Karens, and they're always like, you're racist. What about food deserts? I'm like, I live in a flipping food desert, you guys. I get it. But here's the thing. I did the math on food deserts. I looked up, and anyone can do this on Google. I put in rate of food deserts in the U.S. Right, like what's the percentage? The percentage of food deserts in the U.S. is pretty small. So then I looked up the um, percentage of low socioeconomic or poverty, right, in the U.S. And that was also that was like in the twenty percentages. So that's not great, right? We've got at least a quarter of the U.S. living in some kind of low socioeconomic status, and we we realize that the have and have nots is a wide divide and it's gotten significantly wider during this pandemic. I don't understand why. I mean, I was a liberal going into this and I'm kind of not anymore. I was like a conservative liberal, if you will. Um, And my fiance is a liberal conservative. (laughs) So we meet in a nice place in the middle. Like we have a lot of common sense and it takes, as you guys know, it takes a lot of brain power to sit in the middle. It's hard. You have to like weigh out both sides and you have to kind of know what you're up against. But I mean, I can't just jump to conclusions. I have to sit there and like, sometimes it hurts. I look at things and I'm like, this is hurting my head, but I have to get through this because I have to understand where this person's coming from. Anyway, did the math on food deserts, did the math on poverty, if you will. If you assume, which is incorrect, but if you assume that everybody who is in poverty is obese, just assuming that, and you clump them in with like the 80 some percent, basically like 86% of this country's overweight and obese in in, uh, the US. If you did the math around it, it roughly came out that 50% of that obese group has the socioeconomic means and does not live in a food desert and can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that was the math that I concluded after all of, I just kind of like, and I'm not a great mathematician, but I mucked around with the numbers. And what I came up with was that the bulk, the overwhelming bulk of the people in this country who are overweight and obese have the financial means and also live in a non-food desert and have the means to do something about this. And they're all driving their cars and sitting in the McDonald's parking or drive through with lines around the building and no one's doing anything about it, but that's actually those are the people, and I'm not pointing fingers, but those are the people this virus preferentially selects for yes. and is the problem and is the load on the hospital system and is the load on, on, on the whole thing. And yet worse, what like the 12% of us that are metabolically sound in this country are just supposed to take one for the team. Yeah. And I'm like, the team is a freaking train wreck. I'm not taking yeah. one for a team. That's a train wreck.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, no. bang I, on. Work, bang I work, I work
2: too hard, Yeah, you exactly. know, and I, and it is expensive and when i when i say expensive i've lived in bankruptcy as a single mom Running my own business, I understand what being broke feels like. I understand what like not having enough food to feed myself was like when I gave the food to my daughter instead. But I, you bet, I still bought her healthy food. Yeah. Mm. If I didn't, she had behavioral issues, and so I made sure she ate well. And I withered away to skin and bones. Like I've been there, but nobody knows that when they accuse me of shit on Instagram, they don't know that I've lived impoverished. They don't know that I've been on the edge of living in my car. You know, like yeah. they don't. They don't know anything about that about me, but I have, and I. still Still ate healthfully. I just didn't have fancy nails and a fancy yeah. car and yeah. a fancy cell phone. I just had bare minimum and my budget went to my food. Yeah. Like,
3: Great. You it's, it's just,
2: yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. what are your priorities here? Instead of having like, I didn't get my hair done. I didn't have all the other expenses. And I'm so sick of that argument because that argument is just holding us back. It's a yeah. small percentage of the overall problem. I admit that it's there. I totally acknowledge it. I would And then people say, well, what's your solution? I'm not here to provide solutions for like the world to be fixed. I'm here to just educate people on how to be more resilient, but I don't have a solution for that. That's not public policy is not my strong point. I understand it. I acknowledge it and I respect it. I have been in it myself as a person. And I understand that it's a difficult place to be, but even then I've worked, the the thing that pisses me off is that that kind of argument is disempowering to those who are in that position. Absolutely. Yeah. So disempowering. I've worked in community clinics throughout school, after school, I've worked in clinics where people were very, very low socioeconomic and had very little resources. And you bet when I told that elderly black woman that her rheumatoid arthritis was starting to impact her upper cervical spine and that's dangerous and she didn't have the money, She, you bet she went on a water and a broth fast, and you bet she found a way to get her nutrition through her food. And you bet she, and I've had so countless patients like this that I've helped because they were smart and they wanted help and they wanted to implement and they found a way to do it. Because conventionally raised produce, even though it may be sprayed and it's not organic or whatever, it's not expensive. I go around the grocery store, you can get a pound of carrots for a buck 29, right? you can also buy a Cadbury egg for $1.29. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. It's like the
2: exact same price. And so it's about priorities. And it's about, it's so disempowering to tell people like, oh, I'm sorry, you're poor, or you're a person of color. So therefore, there's no hope for you. It's like, fuck that. Yeah, let's give them information. Because when you know better, you can do better. These are not stupid people. These are not people who don't have any bodily autonomy. These are intelligent people who want a better life for themselves and would like to survive this. And they just need the information. But we can't, get the information to them if I'm getting berated with trolls which makes me wonder what the agenda is right like
0: absolutely absolutely where
2: did this come from why was I and several of my colleagues for being white influencers accused very early on in this pandemic of being part of QAnon when I didn't even know what the f QAnon was and we're all being written up in different places about being associated with that group. That was a smear campaign, very clearly, to discredit yeah. us. Yeah. Who put that on? Where did that yeah. come from? Well that's what just group it- organized
0: that? Who? Who put that on? <laughs> <laughs>
2: who, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder, cause at first I was so confused for months. I was really confused. And then all of a sudden I started talking to people and I realized like, this was a very specific propaganda yep. smear campaign totally. to discredit anybody who was questioning the narrative, who was just speaking common sense about health. These I were just not said this a couple weeks people. ago. Yeah.
1: I was yeah. like because I yeah. finally clicked one day I was like oh my gosh the game is so big it's so big and anybody that's questioning the narrative and speaking out are getting labeled as racist and QAnon supporters yep. Yep. and it's just it's like. The yeah. fireworks went off and I was like oh okay.
0: I, I feel like they're just trying to pit us against each other until they can roll nope. in this you know what passport. Um, and like uh, like you, you talked about the next couple two or three steps that are going to happen, do you think two of those three steps are going to be the, you know, what passport and, uh, the food shortage.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I see that yes, coming too. Is, the writings on the wall.
2: It seems very concerted and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. It's just like the only way that it makes, how does it make any sense that we are still not talking about nutrition? Yeah. And, yeah everything we just discussed like how is this not being why is this not frontline news and totally. there has to be something more sinister at play this can't just be about health and a virus no. it's don't never think been it's, about our
1: health yeah
2: i don't even think it's about the you know what i think it's something past that you know not and it's isn't. just really it's really concerning to me that people and you're right you said it it's like that divisiveness they just want to divide us and I, you know i got sucked into it too i was so mad about Trump being elected in 2016 and I was so concerned about it and I sometimes see my old memories come up on Facebook and because I'll, I'll go in uh, infrequently and look at my memories because there's some cute pictures of my dogs that have passed and my daughter when she was young and some of the things I said I mean I was full I but you have to understand I lived in a very 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 far left liberal town Portland yeah. and I was in my profession naturopathic doctors as a whole are quite socialist and so, and I, I mean, no disrespect by that, but that's the truth. And so I was in this world for well over a decade, you know, 15 years. And so 20 years, I mean, if you count the time I spent with my mentor. And so I kind of was drinking the Kool-Aid and not realizing the divisiveness that was being going on even then. Yeah. And, and then Antifa came into Portland years ago and it was slow, but steady their takeover. And they, I'm, you know, I dare not say this because everyone's afraid to say it out loud, but like, I think they have a pretty big role in what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunately gotten mucked up with the Black Lives Matter movement, which um, not necessarily Black Lives Matter as an organization, but like the movement of anti-racism, I'm not against, but I feel like we are now at this point where it's just getting all convoluted and tied up. And I feel like a bunch of, you know, somebody's pulling strings above us and we're all just sort of going along with it. And as you start to see through it, you're like, oh my effing God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you try to talk with your intelligent friends and they're just so viscerally committed to one side or another. And I'm like, can we just what happened to just discourse? Like, let's yeah. talk about all the potentials here, even if they sound wacky. Let's talk about all the things that might possibly be going on here, because like the human race is at stake, yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they don't they don't want to do it. They just want to get mad and say, you know take your take your jab and move along, Tina. Man. And
0: yeah, I you, just can't.
2: I don't. I this is my hill to die on. Like yeah, I
0: absolutely we're there with flat you. out.
2: Like I will yeah. I will die before I submit
0: yeah you went back into your archives of pictures and then you you know saw some things that you said that were like you're admitting that you didn't know everything back then you know that's what people need to do they need it's everybody's just so like it's an ego thing in the way it's like they've already bought into it this far they don't want to admit that they were wrong so they're just doubling down and doubling down it's like let's admit when we learn new things let's learn new things and then maybe change our view you know yeah, yeah I think what that, a concept yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has
1: to do with a lot of inner healing too and you can see that everywhere right now too people are are wounded children walking around yeah. on their soap boxes and um healing internally like your inner child is just as important as what you put into your mouth and what you're eating because you, you can't be healthy unless you're healed inside too. And yeah. that's kind of like where our awakening happened was that we started working on ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, and um, what we ate, like it, it all kind of was a trickle effect. And I realized how connected the mind, body, and the soul are, we couldn't have one without the other. And it's, I I remember when we started eating organically and like trying to buy everything, non GMO, I had someone tell, be like, well, that's really stuck up of you. And (laughs) yeah. and, And then going to their house, like, well, I bought this all for you guys. And I was like, that's not at all. Like we never were pretentious about it. We were just educating ourselves and sharing the information, but it triggered people Yeah. because they thought we were thinking that they were less than.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. There's a lot of ego involved. And like I I say from time to time uh, it's easier to trick someone than it is to convince them that they've been tricked because they've got their ego in the way.
2: That's so good. Yeah, Yeah. It's so true. I spent the summer of 2019, my dog, my little Chihuahua abruptly died in 2019 and I was so devastated. She was old but like she still had years left and she very abruptly developed a tumor in her throat and I had to I freaking love this dog. Like I would spent a decade with this little booger and she was my my heart <laughs> living outside my body and she was black and squishy and fuzzy and so soft and so sweet and she um she died because this ch- I had to put her to sleep because the tumor was going to choke her. So I had to put her to sleep while she was fully vital and like functioning, except this tumor was growing rapidly. And it was because she fell off the porch and she tweaked. I remember the moment it happened. It was so devastating. And I, the minute I put her to sleep, I realized my relationship I was in where I was living had to end. Like I did not want to be there. And so I got out of a relationship of a few years. My dog died. I moved into an apartment, um, over in a great part of town in Portland and, little tiny apartment and decided I needed to make my life fit in this small little apartment. Like I had to downsize significantly and just simplify and really focus on myself. And it was the first time in my life I took time away from my business. And I had, I had a, uh, accumulated enough money to sort of chill for a minute. And it'd been like 25 years of hard grinding, really, really, really high stress, hard grinding. And I was like, I'm going to chill out a bit. And I spent the whole summer, I got this rescue dog who you guys maybe have seen on Instagram. Yeah. Santa. I got my she was a skinny little sickly mess and you know her skin was a wreck her gut was a wreck she had almost died the week earlier from her uh, being neutered or being um, spayed and i she and i just wandered around town the whole summer of 2019 and i just cried like i literally sat in parks and cried and cried and cried because i had so much grief and guilt just like an astronomical amount of grief in my body. And I thought I was gonna die from it. I knew I was gonna die from it. And I didn't wanna sit in a therapist's office and talk about it, you know? I didn't wanna talk about it. I just wanted to connect with that inner child or whatever it is and just forgive myself and let go of all this grief and all these people who died. And I just had been carrying it like it was my suit of armor. Yeah. And so I sat, I sat around in parks crying and people were like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm good. I'm just processing. <laughs> like yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I swear I'm not crazy. Yeah, And we got really super tan and I got her super healthy and I cried out all my grief. So by the time the pandemic hit, I was ready. Like yeah. I had done this huge catharsis and it was very, very healing. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. Like, I feel, I feel like a soldier who'd come home from war and like, regrouped and then yeah. another war hit you know and I was like and people keep always say to me how do you manage on social media every day like how do you deal with all this hate and vitriol and I'm like you know what I have been dealing with this my whole life and I've always been on the outside and I've always been like the group's going this way and I'm always on the side I'm like the classic Aquarius I'm like hey guys you're going the wrong way being <laughs> <You want laughs> And like my biggest joke, I would always say like you are being led astray, you know, yeah. and people are like, what are you talking about? And so I felt like I was built for this. Like I was yeah. ready and I had almost died of viruses a few times myself and I had studied them intimately and just had a pretty good under, I'm not a virologist by any means. I'm not an immunologist, but I have a really good understanding about how the immune system works. And honestly, most naturopathic doctors, whether they admit it or not, are treating a lot of post-viral syndrome in general. When people won't recover, there's usually some kind of viral insult. And I would always do that in a patient history. I would dig on that first visit until I figured out like, oh, you had the flu back in 2005 and it derailed you and you haven't been the same since. You know what I mean? So there's usually, and I would always say like you've had your triad of, of health and mine, when you want to get down to like the physical is you've got You've got the genetic code or genetic predisposition of somebody. You've got the environment they grew up in. So everything they've eaten, every infection they've had, every amount of toxicity, every amount of abuse. There's a lot of abuse in the world. Yeah. And then the, the, third, the third side of this is the trigger. And that trigger is usually viral yeah. or it's some traumatic event, car wreck, divorce, a death, something big. And the whole system decompensates. And so my job was always to figure out when did that trigger happen and when did it like When did it make homeostasis go awry for the person and how do we get them back to homeostasis? And so that is kind of that train theory. And the thing that's kind of driving me nuts right now on social media is everybody's believing this contagion myth that there's no such thing as viruses. I disagree. I think there are viruses. I don't always think they're pathologic. I think most things, including bacteria, are symbiotic in our our bodies until our body system goes awry and there is that event. Yeah. And then it becomes pathologic. So you can have a symbiotic organism living within you just fine. No big deal. Like we all have strep in our throat. We all carry strep in our throat at a certain point, the strep take over and become virulent. I feel like they can turn. And if the terrain of the host is a train wreck, then you've got pathogenic, you know, malevolent organisms doing their thing. And we just have a whole society full of Train wrecks.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> With
2: a lot of trauma and abuse and you know, on and on. And then this virus comes along and it, it derails them. And you're right, going back to what you said, there's this virtue signaling going on. It's almost like revenge of the nerds in the yeah. biggest <laughs> way. That's how it feels. I feel like all these people who like felt like they were invisible in life and they haven't had a lot of purpose maybe, or a lot of acknowledgement for their efforts. And suddenly they're like, I'm wearing three masks and I'm lining up for the thing. And I'm, I'm doing my, I'm I'm doing my job. I'm doing what's best for society. And I'm like, dude, seriously, this is how you're going to find purpose in your life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's how they're going to be. It's, it's so messed up. It really is. It's like there's those a lot of people don't want this to end or they like this because it gives them, you know, they can wear their three masks and they can point fingers at us and give us shit and call us names. It's like now they get to be the one who's in charge. It's like, oh man, we're in a tough spot yeah. here as as the woke crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: yeah, but they're the woke ones, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they, It's weird. And I really distrust people who can't see the obvious. I've always felt that way. Have you guys ever had like a friend? And I say that in air quotes, because, you know, there's a person in your social group and they're kind of a shithead. And you're like, dude, you know, Todd's a dick. And people are like, he's really, he's misunderstood. He's really nice. And I'm like, well, then I don't trust you for the fact that you can't acknowledge that he's and see it like that, yeah. concerns me about yeah. your judgment,
1: right? Yeah. Jamie's so always I, been good at that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've got a good uh, bullshit detector and a good radar for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I've got, and no then you're like,
2: you get confused about their judgment or their problem solving skills if they can't see that so-and-so is, a tra- I yeah. mean, sometimes these people in the friend circle are traitors straight yeah. up. They're fair yeah. weather friends. They'll do whatever. And so you distance yourself from the whole group because you're like, yo, your guys' radar is off. I can't, yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. I feel like this is happening on an epic scale. So oh, yeah.
0: yeah, that's a good, uh, you I, like know, that. I like where you're going with that analogy. That's really good.
2: Yeah, so I'm just what, concerned about people's bullshit radars as a whole and yeah. the fact that they stay in the game for the abuse and let their family members bully them constantly through this and I'm like just I know it's not that easy to walk away from friends and family but sometimes you got to and I've had to yeah. do it several times Whoa. in my life where I'm like yeah we're done here yeah, yeah. I got I, I have to go survive over here yeah
0: yeah disappointed in the herd
2: yeah yeah it's, it's my, but are mind. we, are we, are we surprised really? Yeah,
0: yeah I know. right? Yeah.
2: I know. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Brittany. You no, that's okay.
1: Me. I was going to say like, what are things that you do on a daily to take care of your health? Like we do, we, we do a plethora of things, but what's your top five?
2: Um, well, you know, I slip and slide around it. I'm not perfect. So I recently was coming out of like a several month flare. Cause I kind of, hit bottom in December and started drinking way too much and drinking for way too much for me is not very much. Mm -hmm. I don't have a a good detox. Yeah. I'm not a good detoxer. I have the double MTHFR mutation. So like a little bit of something is a pretty big poison to me. Yeah. So I, and I'm middle age, so it's really easy to let the hormones go awry. So December was kind of a darker month for me. I was just tired. And I was like, Oh, I can't believe, you know, we all have those We've, I'm sure we've all had a month or two during the pandemic where oh, we just sort of like succumbed to the load. Yeah, um, yeah, but definitely. I try really, so every mor- uh, truthfully, my mor- every morning we wake up probably around 6, 5.30, 6. That's we always have sex. Like we have sex every morning. as Like nice. it's just a thing that uh, maybe, I, I mean, that. and yeah. that's not, I'm not trying to give too much information. I say it because it's a really great way to wake up. Like yeah. you get oh, good oh. endorphins going, you get connection, you're asleep, but like you're awake. So that's, and it doesn't always, always happen, but we try to make that, like, I try to make that a standard. Um, And then we have, and then he makes me coffee. So (laughs) I get, I get my coffee in bed. And then I always, you know, open the windows. I try to get light on my eyes. I let my dog out. I try to get light on my eyes outside because the light outside is more potent than the light behind a window. Yeah. And I don't always spend as much time out there right now because it's cold and rainy. But generally in the summer, I'll spend, you know, a good few minutes staring at the horizon to set my circadian rhythm. I try to go for several walks a day. I don't try to go for like a 30 minute or 40 minute walk. I try to do just several like 10, 15, 20, 25 minute walks. I have been slacking, but I, I always work out twice a week with my coach, but I strength training like weights with kettlebells, but I really need to add in like a day or two more of just something a little bit less intense than what I do with her and just keep that going. Mm -hmm. Um, We eat pretty simply. I try, I have stomach issues and I've always had, you know, anyone who's had a significant amount of abuse in their life is probably going to have some kind of GI issues and some kind of pain, chronic pain. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I just, I just have I just, I just accept had, that. <laughs> I just realized why I love you so much because you were like the female version of my husband.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. There's a lot of similarities going on between uh, us for
1: sure. Just like I've so, like I've loved you from day 1, but it's like everything aw. I'm like yes, yes, yes. And then now <laughs> I'm hearing this, I'm like wait, you sounded your story is the same as yeah, it's crazy. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's nice. Um but I try to eat simply because if I if my gut goes south, or for me, um, neurologics, I get neurologic stuff, or I get a lot of pain, I, have a, I live with a lot of pain and a lot of chronic pain. And it, it's something I don't talk about that much. But it's really a consistent thing in my life. And it might be a three out of 10, or it might be a 10 out of 10. The last few months have been very, very high. And I'm trying to, you know, get out of that flare. But I have to be able to think back at least that day, if not three days prior, like, what have I been eating? So I don't eat a lot of ingredients in my meals. I try to just keep it to like three ingredients or four ingredients, not a lot of sauces, not a lot of variables, because I need to know what I've consumed. Yeah, And I have to do the math quickly so that I can nip this in the bud. And so because I don't like I don't like being in chronic pain. So I'm like, what did I eat? What set me off? So we try to eat really simply. We eat food that looks like where it came from. Whenever I eat food that comes out of a package and is processed, even if it's organic and keto and whatever, it always jacks up my gut. It always messes me up. So I try to avoid anything, even like protein bars that come from like the best sources on the internet. They still kind of always, there's always some kind of like alcohol sugar or something in there that messes me up. So keep things really simple there. We try, I fall asleep by like nine, nine 30 every night. I do not allow, um, a, 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 except for the occasional dystonian book or movie that I, or series that I love, like Handmaid's Tale, those kinds of things. I try to keep horror and like, um, thriller, anything that's going to like raise my cortisol or make me feel stressed. I try to keep that out of my eyeballs and my ears. So I don't Mm -hmm. engage in a lot of that. And same with people, if people are really drawn to the dramatic and they're, they just raise my, even if they raise my cortisol and it's on me, like it's my trigger, it's my, my inner child is deciding to act up. If I find that to be a consistent theme, I just have to remove them from my life. I, yeah. I don't have time to sit there and be like, I need to work on this. It depends. If they're a really important person to me, of course I'll work on it. But generally speaking, they're just a colleague or somebody. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. I don't yeah, yeah. I don't need any of that. So I'm really quick to, to cut people, things out of my life. I have no problem. If something's poisonous to me, it's just poison. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah, the yeah. dose. So I just... Yeah. <laughs> You know, totally. I, I'm just you? older now. I don't have time for it. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I think that um I always try to spend time connecting with my dog because she's like my grounder. Like I have yeah. to like lay in her bed with her and cuddle her yeah. or whatever on the couch. And then just keeping my circle small. That's pretty much it. Like that's my day. And a lot of okay. coffee.
0: <laughs> a lot of coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Min- minimal alcohol.
0: I had to get um, off the coffee because oh. it was too acidic, but I drink a lot of tea.
2: <laughs> Ooh tea makes my stomach hurt weirdly. So
1: yeah, you're yeah. Opposite. Yeah, I I'm
0: opposite in that way. The coffee was wrecking my guts. Cause I, 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 I can go like, okay, I'll have a coffee, you know, once a week. And then it goes to one every day and then it goes to two and three a day. And it's like, I can't allow it back. I'm so extreme that I can't allow it back things back into my life where I go hard on it. You know?
2: It's, yeah. It's, that's yeah. what my guy is. Yeah, He's not it's a moderation a- guy. You should play with uh, the bean because I find that a dark roast or French roast is actually, less irritating to my gut than a lighter coffee. A lighter coffee will just tear me to shreds, so.
0: Interesting. Oh, the dark roast is better on the guts, eh?
2: Maybe, and then try, I think it's lower in caffeine too, and then try how it's processed. An espresso might be better for you. A French press might tear you up. A French press can, leaves a lot of constituents in there that might actually um, cause some irritation to the gut lining. So drip, I mean, I don't know, but play with that and yeah. see if there's, cause it's really neuroprotective and it's a really great herb when you break it down. Like if yeah. you can
3: find
0: a delicious.
2: way to moderate it in your life,
0: I miss it a lot. I do. Yeah, it's, it is <laughs> yeah. Delicious. Yeah. it's interesting that you and bring a- up, uh, uh, keeping, um, not watching horror and stuff like that, because in this today, like how many shows now are apocalyptic zombie apocalypse like movies they're all apocalypse like it's we're being bombarded with that too with the apocalypse is coming in in one way or another the
1: forces are on coming from every angle yeah and unfortunately i think our teens have a really hard navigate they've got to navigate through all this and i can't even imagine we didn't i got a cell phone so i moved from the states to canada and then my dad got a job in japan and we lived in japan for almost 10 years and I didn't get a cell phone until I was in grade 12 Mm. and it was a flip phone. And so it was like, I just can't imagine navigating all the social media and like, that's just, it blows my mind and it breaks my heart for these teenagers that are trying to just survive. And they've got so many, it's awful. It's awful.
0: We've got two teenagers. They're they're fairly addicted to that world, that social media world, the cell, the smartphone world. And then we've got two younger kids that are never going to have a cell phone this is you know we, we we woke up to the madness
1: yeah until they're old enough to choose on their own i mean yeah. i'm not on yeah. social
0: media i don't have any social media accounts i never have i never will um, I didn't grow up with a computer in my house, and then once I was moved out on my own, I never had any interest in that kind of stuff. And even today, it's like everything's on social media. It's like I still don't have any interest. I,
1: I fill him in. I'm like, I'm like, look at this person, and yeah. <laughs> look so, what Dr. Tina said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll send screenshots. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you would love Dr. Tina. She's awesome. Yeah. And I do.
2: I oh, do. Yeah. Yeah. thank you. Yeah. I joke because people like to hear from a lot of women whose husbands aren't on social media, and they're like, we sit down every night, and I'm like. Look what Dr. Tina said. I think yeah. Yeah. I, got, <laughs> oh, I got to keep, I got to keep on producing the content. It's terrible. My daughter's just 21 and uh, it was horrible. It was so yeah. dark What the internet, what social media did to her. I'm survived. I'm shocked. She survived it. She almost did not. So oh. it's, she, I think the darkness is real. Yes, I wasn't, sure. I wasn't really like, I don't totally subscribe to any particular religion, but I didn't firmly believe in God until like 2019 and I or whatever source whatever you want right. to call it I'm still undecided but I really firmly feel like this is a huge movement of darkness I agree. not to get too woo woo or spiritual but like something very dark and sinister has been building like if yeah. you didn't see this I made a post early on like if you didn't see this coming you weren't paying attention right cuz like yeah. come on yeah. this was like obviously being orchestrated but it's really really dark and I think there's a book by Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil. You guys should read it or you can find okay. it on Spotify, the audio. It's really good. But the first 13 minutes of that is like, because he basically is interviewing the devil. And this was in this was in the 40s, like when wow. lots of um, dictatorships were happening, you know, and he, 30s and 40s, I can't remember when it was written, but he, they, I mean, they talk about like Stalin and stuff. Right. But the devil basically says that, he doesn't have to convince people to come to his side. He just has to instill them with fear and doubt. And they have to be drifting. If they're drifting, and he keeps using the word drifting, if they're drifting, they're easy prey. And they don't necessarily have to be evil or subscribe to demonic or satanic things. They simply have to be drifting and in fear. And fear is his most powerful tool. And the first 13 minutes will just, and then you get to like minute. Oh gosh, where is it? I think I want to say like minute 30 or 40 or something. He starts talking about how you discredit scientists using these tactics and it's like a playbook for what's currently happening it'll blow your mind okay I wrote the name
1: down I'm gonna I'm gonna download that and listen to it I'm going to a freedom rally after this today so oh nice yeah yeah um but man oh man you're so right like I we've I grew up Christian and then we I went my own ways and I got into the the kind of new age spiritual world and now i'm at the point where i'm like i feel like everything's just been hijacked and the main thing we have to do is connect with source straight to source and yes. you're right the whole drifting thing makes so sense because they want us to be confused they want yeah. us to get confused and it's like totally. the more secure you are in yourself and your connection with source or god whatever you want to call it the less, they can't shake you, yeah. Because you're you got yeah. you're in your power.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a fear yeah. campaign. That's how they're that's how they're winning people over. And the more you're centered and grounded and, and true to yourself, the less their fear campaign works on you. Yeah. It doesn't work at all on me. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's that's because
2: so you way. weren't on the internet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, you haven't
2: been on the internet. That's or why. Seriously.
0: Totally. I don't. Look they've, they've been.
2: Like... Yeah, the TV is garbage. Totally. It's like a de- it's like a demon's den. They've been fear conditioning us as long as I can remember, but specifically around 9-11, yeah. really hardcore with the fear conditioning. And I remember going into the Portland airport because I traveled a lot for work and I would go into the airport it'd be like 10 years later. And there's still this huge sign in the middle, right before you get to the terminal or go through TSA, there's this huge sign and it says, it's like a dial from like green to red, giant dial. And oh it says gosh. terror threat. And it oh was, was like God. on orange and we're it's 10 years later. Down. And I'm like, You're walking into the airport, and that's what you see, and you're just like, Oh, we're on orange today as I'm getting on my plane. That's great, you know. And it's just like, So
1: it's in your subconscious, totally. Yeah, it was constant. Maleficent, that's her name, right? Oh, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
3: yeah.
1: (laughs) we're talking about evil. Oh my
3: gosh, yeah, yeah, she's my
2: favorite.
1: She's misunderstood
2: evil,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. 9 11, the Patriot Act, it's like that's still the, They once they take your rights away, they never give them back. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. That's why we need to stand up and fight right now, because when they take them, they don't give them back. You have to take them back yeah. if you can get them back. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've been reading, I have a little pocket um, declaration of independence and the constitution. It's like a little pocket book and I've just been sort of perusing it each day, looking at you know, cause it's written in like old school English. So mm. some of it, I don't talk, you know, it's like reading the Bible. You're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what are they trying to say? Yeah. But, um, it's very clear that this government, at least in the U S of course, was started on the belief that the people were in charge and the people yeah. should, that the government should fear the people, not the, the opposite direction. And we've just gotten ourselves into, and it's such a slow drip that even myself who like. I talk with people like you and we get it or we like, we get the vibe each other's throwing down. But when I start to sit there and think about it, I can see how it sounds like utter lunacy coming out of my mouth. You know, I, somebody messaged me, I posted the handmaid's tale yesterday on Instagram and somebody messaged me. And she said, you know, I was talking to my friend about this show and my friend said it was all about um, the Republicans trying to take away birth control. And she's like, how about the liberals trying to put a muzzle on you and inject you with investigational yeah you know mm-hmm. genetic stuff and like just to hear so it's depends on where you're coming from how it sounds right and like totally. both sides could be right and I I acknowledge that like I honor what both of those people believe I, I don't discredit either and go oh that stupid yeah. right wing or that stupid yeah. left I I don't feel that way I feel strongly that like both can be true and and honor that because as a physician I had to listen to a lot of people's stories and I had to be very objective and sit there and like an open book and not judge. It's not my job to judge. It's my job to take in the information and help them. So I just think that where you're coming from can be so distorted to somebody on the other side. And it's so easy to point and say, you're crazy, but I don't think any of us are crazy. I think we all have, we Um, just need to be able to have these conversations.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Like somebody who has no idea, who's completely mainstream watching, uh, uh, that has no idea about any of this, when we start talking that could sound like utter madness to them.
2: Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Just like when they start talking It all
2: depends like, on the spin.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cuz we used to be where they are. Like I I I didn't I didn't I wasn't born awake to all the deception in the world. Like I had to go through all of the bullshit and believe all the lies and then one day started questioning it and now I'm on the other side. And I see that we've been just totally led down this path for our whole lives. Like it starts, it starts right away. The the deception starts right away, like as a child. And it's like, we all had to go through that. So for us, for us to like judge them and for them to judge us, it's like, I didn't, I didn't start woke. I had to wake up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's painful. Waking up is really
1: painful. Yeah. And Yeah. We've all had our dark nights of the soul for sure. Just waking up. Like I've been brought to my knees crying being like, how can this be happening? How can be, how can this be the world I'm bringing my children up in? And Mm -hmm. then, but then that makes you stronger and you're like, okay, buckle up. We're, we're in for a ride now. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs)
3: Yeah, exactly. For the
0: ride of our lives. I love it.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Tina, I know you are so busy, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, we we could probably talk to you all day. Oh yeah, <laughs> I could go all day. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. We'll have to connect again and just chat yeah. off the
1: camera or off off recording
2: we
0: can just that sure, yeah, sure. and- <laughs>
1: yeah i would love it i would love it yeah you're you're amazing <laughs> yeah. like i know you get a lot Thank of heat on social media but please keep doing what you're doing you're the reason i started lifting weights because of you um yeah. i'm a yogi i'm a yogi so like i i do my yoga and i was like i'm going to just stick to yoga now i don't need to do my weights and then i was like no this is important
3: yeah.
1: and uh there's you guys are keeping us accountable. Well, not him because he's not on Instagram, but (laughs) keeping me accountable and always giving me good tips. And I just, I, I absolutely adore you and the information you give out. So thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's, it's an honor to be on here. And I'm, this is the best part of the pandemic is getting to like connect with other awesome people that all over the world, you know, who knew we were all out there and I know, right.
1: There's more of us than, than we're led to believe.